This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. It seems the one thing that people are pretty consistent about, whether they're on the left, whether they're on the right, whether they're in the center, whether they consider themselves non-political, is they don't necessarily think things are going too well in America these days. Well, someone who has released essentially a playbook for how he thinks America can be back on the right track is also... Probably the person with one of the lengthiest resumes we've ever spoken to on this program. He is a decorated military officer, having served as a lieutenant general. He is someone who has been a senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense. He was uh, the director of the Defense Performance Review, vice chair of uh, vice chief of staff, excuse me, of the Air Force, and someone that has uh, been very, very active in the public sector as well as the private sector. Now he's the author of the new book, America's Endgame for the 21st Century, a blueprint for saving our country. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome General Thomas McInerney. General, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Thank you very much for having me, Frank. It's a great honor. Uh, the honor is mine, sir. I know you've been very active, as I mentioned, in the private sector, particularly when it comes to using technology to improve people's lives over the course of the last couple of decades. What would you characterize as the biggest difference between li- life in the military and life in the private sector? Well, for me, it, uh, it, uh, because of 9-11 and that, I got involved with uh, media uh, initially by accident. And uh, then, of course, with 9-11, I uh, became heavily involved when I do three to five Fox shows a day. And it had to all do with national security, Frank. So that's that's my involvement. And I've gotten involved with elections in that. And you're going to say, well, what is a retired general doing involved with elections? Well, it's very simple. It's national security, Frank. For instance, what we have found is our adversaries used in the 2020 election, they just did it in the 2022, the midterms, used cyber warfare in the elections. And it truly was a red wave. But with cyber warfare, for instance, Dr. Oz had 330,000 votes with cyber. That doesn't count the mail-in ballots because the, uh, the midterms, they used heavily mail-in and cyber, and, and they tweaked the cyber. But they took 330,000 votes cyber-wise from Dr. Oz, and he lost by 150,000, and he didn't protest and have an audit because that's the only way you find out when 
cyber warfare has been used, and, and I happen to be in the edge cloud business now, in the cloud business, so I'm intimately familiar with this technology commercial-wise and then how they have perverted it uh, by stealing under the Obama administration a system called Hammer and Scorecard, which was a CIA program that I reported on March 19, 2017, that the CIA had used and that the Obama administration was using to listen to the campaign, our good President Trump, as well as once he was in office. So that's how I got involved. Those are national security issues. Mm. And uh, what has stunned me is they've been so clever about it. They put anybody that would question an election would be they immediately uh, make them a, uh, a target, demonize them, make them very evil for talking about the issue. And that's why you haven't heard anybody. We all predicted the red wave and now we're making excuses why it wasn't large enough. Yes, the Republicans won the House, but they lost. They're either going to tie or lose the Senate. And I can tell you, they actually won. I mentioned Dr. Oz, who won. And, and Fetterman was an easy target. I mean, he's a doofus. He can't even carry on a conversation. So you're telling me that the people in uh, Pennsylvania elected this guy over Dr. Oz? Please, if they, if well, Dr. Oz would have questioned Frank the election by doing an audit, an audit is different than a recount. A sure. recount counts garbage in, garbage out. An audit can tell at a certain certain Greenwich Mean Time that votes were stolen from a person. The mail-in ballots requires you to look at the ballots and see is it a, a registered voter, where does he live. Is he in your state, et cetera? A recount just counts it. So like in the 2020 election, the state of Pennsylvania mailed out 1.8 million ballots to Pennsylvania residents because of coronavirus. They got back, Frank, 2.4 million ballots. So wait, somebody had to have a printing press, didn't they? By the way, they did in China. But they counted all 2.4 million ballots, even though they'd only mailed out 1.8 million. So um, you see the, the challenge we're having where the Obama administration, in concert with others, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has started to, as uh, uh, I think it was uh, Joseph Stalin said, it's not who votes, it's who counts the votes. They're in that game plan now. And that's why Everybody is making excuses why the Republicans didn't win more. Well, they didn't vote early enough, or and the lines like out in Arizona were so long that Carrie Lake, I mean, she is protesting, as she rightly should, because she had massive mail-in ballots, plus Carrie had 28,000 votes stolen with her using cyber. Now, she is behind by 17,000 right now, even with the tidal wave of mail-in, but if if I could get the source that gave me that, I think he doesn't realize it's that his his lawyers to protect him from the state secret act, I think, are being played for. And I haven't said this on tell on radio or anything before, Frank. 
I think his wow. lawyers are being paid by the CIA. Wow. I mean, that that's uh, that's quite a claim. You said quite a bit there, uh, and I want to follow up on as much as I can, and this is one of the reasons I was so eager to get you on the radio, because you don't shy away from saying anything that people could uh, consider controversial or, uh, or anything like that. And I, I'm not going to parse everything that you said there, because uh, we, you know, we have a finite amount of time. And I do want to uh, comment on your, uh, get you to comment rather on your book. Tell me uh, what made you, uh, what made you come out with this book? What made you write this book, America's Endgame for the 21st Century? What are you hoping to accomplish with it? Well, I'm hoping to lay in the seeds of, of why, why we have changed in America, why our belief in God, why these basics, our history, all these things are extremely important. They want to change names of, uh, of the military bases that were named after Confederate generals. But people don't realize most of those bases were formed in the, uh, in, as we went into World War II and we opened up these bases. But the fact was, we still in those days, after the Civil War, had to bring America back together again. And the leaders who did that, Grant and others, wanted to get the South back in and, and away from that uh, civil war that we had. There was still, even when I was born, and the, uh, started just before World War II, even then there was differential between the South and the North. There is today. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. The leadership, and this is what I was taught at West Point, named them after Confederate generals to make the South part of the Union again. And it, it didn't do with that they... Uh, created the Civil War in defense of of slavery. It was to bring the nation back together again. Now you've got people, even after the incredible job that uh, Abraham Lincoln did in the Civil War to keep the Union together, they're pulling statues down on Lincoln. It, It just doesn't follow the coherence of how you keep a nation together, Frank. And so that's how I got involved in all this, and wrote that book with my good friend, Major General Paul Vallely. We'd written a book right after 9-11, or a year or so after, called Endgame, The Blueprint for Victory in the War on Global Terrorism, and how it was with the radical Islamic group, and we had to understand that. If you don't understand the ideology you're fighting, how do you know why you're fighting? So this is a sequel to that, because, look, if people think, that Afghanistan wasn't a deliberate surrender if they think it was a redeployment. They don't understand it. If they don't think the open borders where we have had 5 million people, illegals, come across the border isn't deliberately done to change America, they don't get it. If they don't think that we have the 8%, it's probably really more like 10 to 15% inflation that we have, isn't being done deliberately then they don't understand. If they don't understand critical race theory being taught in kindergarten and grade school and up through high school, as well as in college, that says your skin color has something to do with with your morals and with your knowledge. Look, I was a fighter pilot my whole life in the Air Force, although I, I had a brief period that I started out in the Army in the 82nd Airborne Division. But my point is, Uh, I was flying mostly single-seat fighters, Frank, and I remember as a Brigadier General launching almost 60 F-15s 
single-seat fighters at Okinawa prior to leaving to show our troops how to handle mass. And uh, every one of those guys in those airplanes, I didn't care what his skin color was, who his mommy and daddy was, where he went to school. I cared about his performance. That's what I cared about. Martin Luther King. It's the merit of the individual, not his skin color. And so now we have this administration talking about critical race theory and why your skin color is so important. It has nothing to do with the military. So that's why we wrote, Mm. that's a long answer to your good question of why we wrote this book. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, retired Air Force General Thomas McInerney. He's the co-author of the book, America's Endgame for the 21st Century. General, let me take advantage of your national security expertise since you're here. Uh, I think everybody is paying attention to the situation in Ukraine and wondering what the potential implications are for the United States. Give me your thoughts thoughts on how you see the situation as it stands now and what you think the United States' role should be going forward? That's an excellent question, Frank. And a lot of people are are mixing because they're kind of apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. Before the Russian invasion, there was a great deal of corruption going on. We know from Hunter Biden and uh, Joe Biden himself, a great deal of corruption going on with our money that we were putting into the Ukraine. And Joe Biden and his own question said, if you don't change this prosecutor that was investigating this company that his son was a board member, you're not going to get the $1 billion that we are going to give you. And lo and behold, five or six hours later, they fired him. The Ukraine, I'm pointing out, was corrupt then. But when Zelensky resisted, and I was asked when it started how long I thought they'd last, I said about two weeks. What we have seen is a new man in Zelensky. And he motivated the Ukrainian people. I think we've all seen the devastation. And look, I can tell you, I've seen devastation like that personally. When I was a boy, my father was a colonel. We went to Germany right after World War II. I was in uh, junior high school. And Frank, when we landed, we went by ship. And we took a train down to, we were down near Stuttgart because my father ran the Mercedes-Benz factories, as well as the BMW factories. And they were using those before the Marshall Plan to rebuild U.S. vehicles that were damaged there in World War II. And they'd come out looking brand new. My father was an ordnance colonel. But I went into Frankfurt. We were on the train going down to a town near Stuttgart called Esslingen. And we got off the train at Frankfurt just to look around. And uh I went out of the Bonhoeff. It didn't, that's a train station. It didn't have a roof. I looked out around the city. Frank, it was flat, okay? Mm -hmm. This is very early 1949. The war had been over, oh, maybe three years. No Marshall Plan yet. We got in the train. We went down to Stuttgart because we had to take a a car over to the, uh, to Esslingen where we lived because it hadn't been bombed. Got out of the Bonhoeff. No roof on it. I looked around. Stuttgart was flat. We drove out, had a car for us. We lived in the home, interesting, of a very wealthy German scientist who was involved in the, uh, in the using the biological on human beings and the testing, which we swore at Nuremberg never again. But in any case, so I spent three and a half years and left in 1952. I went to Berlin. The first train when the Berlin airlift was over because my father was a classmate of the 
commandant at, at uh, they were classmates at West Point. Betty McGraw was a major general running Berlin. So my dad was a troop commander. We went in the first train into Berlin. Flat, Munich, München, flat. We went to Dachau. There wasn't any, any symbols or any tours at Dachau because it was right after the war, still an army of occupation. But I saw Dachau when it was in its rawness. The corpses were all gone, but the furnaces were not, etc. the barracks where they lived. Now, I gave you that long dissertation because we have moved into an area that people must understand, Frank, that COVID-19 was not a pandemic. It was a deliberate, deliberate biological attack partially funded by Dr. Fauci with gain of function and the CDC. And it was deliberately unleashed on the world in 2019, November, December timeframe, but hit us early in the Chinese New Year, in which the Chinese flooded people around the world and it became, quote, a pandemic. And I don't need to remind our listeners Mm-hmm. the life, the lockdowns, etc. But that was deliberately done. Now, I didn't know it at the time because in November I was working the election. But what I found out shortly thereafter, in 2005, the Chinese Communist Party promulgated a new strategy for global domination. And that strategy in 2005, to do it without using kinetic warfare, they were going to use, use massive biological warfare and massive cyber warfare. So what hit us in 2020, COVID-19, which CDC and Dr. Fauci, who helped fund it with the Wuhan lab, they said it came from an open market. And just the other day, he wasn't sure that it was in the Wuhan virology lab number four. He was intimating still, this is Dr. Fauci, that it could have come from the wet market the bat market. That's baloney. It was deliberate. We got hit with a deliberate biological attack, and then we got hit with cyber warfare, 2020, the six battleground states. That's Arizona. That's Nevada. That's Wisconsin. That's Michigan. That's Pennsylvania. And that's Georgia. Uh, General, just go ahead. Yes. Let me let me just say they're still doing that. And, and that's why it's so important that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's involvement with China and, uh, and the Ukraine, you asked me about the Ukraine, I mm-hmm. gave you a long answer, but they are fighting for their freedom. They clearly had problems before, Frank, and, and I'll not deny it. But some people, and I'm a great fan of Tucker, Tucker Carlson doesn't get the difference what Zelensky is as a wartime leader versus what he was as a peacetime leader and the corruption. And what they have been able to do going on nine months now, and I think it's very important that people understand. But getting back to what I said, the Chinese Communist Party wants global domination, and they're going to do it without using kinetic warfare. And that's why that we've got to be very careful what they do with Taiwan. Taiwan is far more difficult than the Ukraine. I guarantee you that. And it's important that we back the Ukrainians is the bottom line, I believe, because they're fighting for their freedom. And those 14 or 18 million Ukrainians, God bless them, 
uh, they've done a hell of a job. So th- it sounds like this might be the one area where you may agree a little bit more with the Biden administration's approach to foreign policy than what President Trump is uh, saying. Essentially, President Biden pushed through a very generous aid package. We just gave the Ukrainians another $400 million last week in military aid and direct financial assistance, even though there's a lot of questions about accountability and where that money is going. President Trump made a point of mentioning in his uh, campaign kickoff announcement the importance of avoiding nuclear war and seeking a diplomatic solution to the uh, conflict with Russia and Ukraine. This might be the one area where you might be more Biden inclined than Trump. Is that fair? No, I, I'm, I'm with Trump on trying to negotiate, negotiate uh, a peace. We, we do not need this to escalate, Frank. We definitely do not. So I I want both. But I do not want the Ukrainians to just give up. They're fighting for freedom. God bless them. You've been very generous with your time. A couple of quick questions, and then uh, I promise, I know it's an odd hour, I'll uh, I'll let you go. But uh, just to combine two of the issues that we've spoken about, the national security implications of the Russia situation and the 2020 election and a lot of the questions that people have about what transpired. You had said uh, in an interview with Mike Lindell prior to the Russian invasion of Ukraine that the coverage of the Russian troop movements was at least in part designed to take the focus off the 2020 election. Given what we've seen from Russia since then and the invasion of Ukraine through the prism of hindsight, do you think that maybe you were wrong about that one? No, I think I'm right about it. How much do you hear anybody talking about the 2020 election or even the 2022 election and the corruption on that? But each evening on the evening news, we get a strong, uh, a strong discussion on Ukraine and we see the carnage the deliberate attack on apartments and people. Frank, this is this is tragic. This should never happen today where we're deliberately attacking homes and apartments like that. The world should be against Russia for doing it. And I believe the Russian people will rise up against them, too. In terms of the um, one of the things that you spell out in your book, each chapter you outline a challenge that America is facing or something that's wrong with America today. And then you offer a playbook for how individuals can turn things around. And one of the things that you uh, emphasize in the book, America's Endgame for the 21st Century, is respect for law enforcement and not disrespecting police officers officers and things of that nature. One of the, even a lot of folks on the right who say the same thing of uh, respecting law enforcement, they do seem to have a little bit of a blind spot when it comes to what happened on January 6th. Now, even if folks are more sympathetic to the January 6th rioters than, say, the Black Lives Matter protesters, would you agree that the folks that rioted the Capitol on January 6th and disregarded a lot of the instructions from police officers at the time were not demonstrating the kind of respect for law enforcement that people should be demonstrating today? Yeah, to a degree. But, you know, as you notice, those, those, and I go to the Capitol a lot, Frank, they were letting those people in, in many cases. They still should not have done what they did in trashing the place. And so there was, uh, and that should not have happened. But where I find the fault was, Vice President Pence knew that that election had been hacked because they used a special access program called Hammer that they're still using. And because I haven't been briefed on it, 
I can talk about it. President Trump cannot talk about it. But they knew what they didn't realize initially was the Obama administration either sold it or gave it to the Chinese communists. And it was coming out of China. I didn't know that. And when I reported it back in March 19, 2017, they were doing it out of the uh, Port Washington CIA facility, and they were listening to U.S. citizens. But but getting to the direct answer, yeah, they made mistakes. But the FBI, even the Director Ray, will not say did he have informants, et cetera, participating in that riot. So it's a combination of both. But I'm, I'm all for law and order, and we cannot tolerate what's going on in our big cities now. General, so just in general, so I understand uh, your your analysis of both the 2020 election and the 2022 election. In essence, you believe that the heart of the election problems in both of those elections, including key Senate elections like in Pennsylvania, was hacking technology that was advocated for by the Chinese government? Well, it was a U.S. system called Hammer and Scorecard, a special access program that CIA is still using. And uh, I have a problem with why President Trump did not announce that. But uh, his intel people told him because it was a SAP program, they couldn't talk about it. Uh, And what I'm saying is the Democrats, in concert with the Chinese and the World Economic Forum, have been doing a host of things that uh, have violated our our national security And it was fundamentally a coup d'etat on that election. Trump actually got 81 million votes. It was not Biden that did. Does anybody think you can run a campaign in your basement and get 81 million votes, the most in the history of any American president? I think, yeah, no, I I think a lot of the folks that voted for Biden by their own admission didn't necessarily do so out of an abundance of enthusiasm for him. It was more about uh, voting against uh, President Trump for uh, for whatever reason. But why would uh, Republican secretaries of state in places like Georgia, for instance, or Arizona and with, with places where there's a Republican governor in both instances, why would they go along or at least turn a blind eye to um, that kind of hacking or uh, democratic or slash Chinese malfeasance in a key battleground state? Well, I think they've been cheating too. Why didn't McConnell ever say anything? I, I, I cannot prove this. I don't have the evidence because you asked the right question, Frank. I think they've been cheating too. A 13-year-old hacker could hack any one of the uh, voting systems we've gotten. So uh, uh, we've got to go back to the old-fashioned way. But why will not the Democrats allow any audits of any of those battleground states when they spend millions of dollars on lawyers preventing, preventing the audits of those states? The American people deserve audits of these elections to say, I'd love to be wrong, Frank, but I'm not wrong. And the fact is, if they demanded audits and they did them, like Carrie Lake has got to demand an audit. And she won, just like uh, the the Republican. Like Dr. Oz. Yeah, Yeah. and Dr. Oz, but the Republican in uh, 
Arizona won. Uh, the Republican in Nevada won. Now, now those cases that you just mentioned, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Arizona, what is the evidence that the Republican in those places actually won? Well, the evidence is from a source I've got that's gone cold mic on me, and, mm. and I don't know why. Mm. Uh, as I say, I think his lawyers are being paid by CIA, but he doesn't realize it. Uh, Colonel, I excuse me, General. I appreciate you being so generous with your time. Uh, I appreciate the uh, the time, and I'll look forward to. I have pages more of questions, not only about the subjects that you raise in your book, America's Endgame, but a lot of follow ups on uh, a lot of the things that we've discussed in the last twenty five minutes. I appreciate the time. Thank you for your service to the country. I'll look forward to our next conversation. Frank, let's do it again. And uh, I, I know it sounds tin haddish. Because it has never happened before. This is the greatest threat. If, if you think that the elections didn't turn out right, and there's a lot of reason not to, that this needs to be examined. It's the greatest threat ever in our history. If we lose well, it, this democracy, which we're about to do, we, we can never replace it. If there's one thing that uh, overnight radio is great for, it's uh, providing a forum for all points of view, all thoughts, even uh, some thoughts that may sound a little a little tin haddish from time to time. Uh, General Thomas McInerney, author of the book America's Endgame for the 21st Century. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you're welcome to give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight straight ahead the other side of midnight, midnight.